This is On The Radar, and as always, it's me, your host, Radar, and as always, we're talking about local national sports, coming at you with episode number 85. Let's get to the news of what, what is happening in the world. Longtime Charlotte Observer reporter Rick Bunnell passed away at 63. The NBA community mourns the loss of a well-known sports writer that covered the Charlotte sports teams. Rest in peace, Robert Hogan, the American actor who has been in Alice... Another World as the World Turns, Days of Our Life, General Hospital, Law and Order, Murder, She Wrote, Pet- Operation Petticoat, Payton's Place, and The Wire. He was very famous because they basically depicted the character of Robert Colonel Hogan in, in you know, uh, Bob, in a Hogan's Hero that Bob Crane played after him because they wanted him to be it. And the series creator was a friend of his, but it never worked out for him to do that. And he passed away in the age of 87 due to complication of pneumonia. So rest in peace to Robert Hogan. Rest in peace to Clarence Williams III. Everybody's going to remember him for playing a police officer in the Mod Squad from 68 to 73. He was in Purple Rain 52 Pickup Tales from the Hood, Half-Baked, and Reindeer Game. Basically, his role on the Mod Squad as Michael with, you know, with Michael Cole and Peggy Lipton were a very popular show. He passed away from colon cancer at 81. Very sad. The... The show Mod Squad, where he played Link, Lincoln Hayes, where he's the main role, is a show that in my 1968 course that I took television study at Columbia College, that they had to, he showed some Mod Squad episodes because it was a very important part of the culture as well. And so that, that's why he's very, everybody remembers him. He also was a reoccurring voice role on American Dragon Jake Long. He's in a bunch of Hallmark television. And the last time he was ever in TV was he was in an episode of Empire in 2015. So... Lasted a very long career. Rest in peace to Clarence Williams III. Then, unfortunately, in the baseball world, Mike Marshall, one of the greatest relief pitchers ever before there were saves being tracked, before relievers just pitched one inning. He would pitch a multiple inning, and he won the Cy Young, and he had also pitched 106 games in a season as well, and he passed away day to 78 this week. He, he was an all-star. As I had a Cy Young winner, he led the league in saves when they started counting them. And had a set of pitch 106 games in a single season. He started pitching in 1967. Saves didn't come around to the 70s. So he had at least four, five, maybe six years of saves that weren't calculated as he finished with only 188. Because he pitched so many games, that's why his ERA is three and he has a losing record of 97-112. But because he pitched so many innings every year, you know, finished so many games, that's why the numbers don't look as great. But he is single-handedly one of the greatest relievers ever. He also had these great sideburns and a mustache. Facial hair, the baseball world will miss you. Now, Brian Custer, everybody knows him from FS1. He's going to join ESPN and do Sports Center. So those who are a fan of Brian Custer will be able to see him on ESPN. The Rockies, the White Sox, and the Cubs announced full capacity. So hopefully I can get to those games and either cover them or have fun. If you remember last week, we reported that Coach K, Mike Krzyzewski, he's going to be out of Duke. This is his final season coming this fall. They were announced as the replacement of John Shayer, who is the assistant. Chris Harrison in the television world of ABC Bachelor is not going to do Bachelor in Paradise. He is going to be not on the show anymore, as he said, set back from racism. And David Spade is going to be one of the people hosting it. So that's going to be interesting to see a comedic guy from SNL all these years hosting that type of program. And the NFL announced the locker room is still going to be close to media this year, which is unfortunately sad for the media, including myself, that wants to do it. United States Football League is returning to Fox Sports 1 in 2022. So those who are fans of it, Doug Flutie and other people were in that league. That's cool to see them. The Seahawks punter, Mike Dickerson, signed a four-year extension at $14.5 million. 
You know, you can't buy a good special teams. I guess you can't. You know, the saying you need a good kicker, good special teams, good offensive line. That's good there. Gary Payton, NBA Hall of Famer, has become the head coach of Lincoln University. Congratulations to him. ESPN has let go Kelly Stewart, who was doing ESPN betting due to tweets of hers. Got to remember and stop tweeting things like that. Terry Stotts has been fired after eight straight playoff seasons with the Blazers. And the Asian kid who was one of the lead people to take the job has opted out of the role. Now, if you guys remember this, Nate McMillan was the coach of the Blazers. And they would make the playoffs also when they had the likes of Brandon Roy and LaMarcus Aldridge and Greg Oden. They would make the playoffs. But, of course, the Trailblazers fired him in 2012. And that's when Terry Stotts took over. And as I said, every year gets the playoffs. The problem with the Blazers is, speaking of the Blazers, Damian Lillard won the Simon Stokes Teammate of the Year Award, is that Damian Lillard can just go off like Steph Curry, shoot, score a lot. And C.D. McCollum's a good duo like Clay Thompson. But the reason why the Warriors won is they had Draymond Green at his prime, and they had Ugudala, and they had some, and they had good role players, and they had Harrison Barnes. The problem with Portland is old Melo. They keep switching in different forwards in, like Covington this year, a reason the past. Yusuf Nurkic never stays healthy. Zach Collins never stays healthy. And his canner's been in and out. They've had, you know, some white side. So they keep having a rotating cast of big men and forwards. And Lillard and, and Collum are both not big guards. So they both can't guard the best player. Like, if you're facing the Nets, who's going to guard Kyrie? Who's going to guard James Harden? If you're facing the, the Bulls, who's going to guard Zach Levine, example? And they got nobody that can do that. And Melo, we all Carmelo Anthony doesn't play defense, and he's playing a lot of stretch four because they don't actually have a power forward. Now, what I was, what so what it is is you can't really blame Terry Stotts. Blame the GM for getting either fragile players, players out of the prime, players are not good enough. And I think what the Blazers need to do is trade CJ McCollum to a team that has a really good small forward, a really good power forward, a good center that he can rely on, or you get multiple players. And one of them is an amazing uh, perimeter defender. It can lock down your best guard or your best small forward so that, so that Lillard has some help, at least on the defensive end, because they don't play a lot of defense. But it will be interesting to see who the coaches are. Is like with the Celtics, guys who have been career assistants, tree league coaches, or they had to go to the college route because nobody would hire them in the NBA. Or they're going to get some guy who used to coach before, like Lord Pierce. That would be interesting to see who Portland Trailblazers pick up as the head coach. Mark Ingram announced he's going to be part owner of the MLS Club DC United. That's cool. A football player is going to be a part owner in another sport. Congratulations to him. Sinead O'Connor Connor, announced she's retiring from touring and making music. That's interesting at this point with COVID people locked up and not able to go anywhere. You would think that maybe just maybe she wanted to keep playing, but nope. Ari Holwani has leaving ESPN to go to Action Sports. The rumor was they weren't going to pay him enough, and he's probably like the premier guy to cover UFC boxing, and he also did NBA sideline reporting, so he's pretty talented. Got to hear him talk all the time on Dan Levertard's show, so I know he's pretty talented at his job, so he's going to action sports. And golfer John Ram had to leave the PGA Tour this weekend due to a positive test while playing. That just sucks to be him. Lisa Barnes from Gone Girls in critical condition with a hit and run in New York City. Hopefully she gets better. The Broncos' Steve Greek had 45 years of being the trainer, the longest tenure trainer, and was the trainer of all eight Super Bowl appearances, including those wins when John Elway and Peyton Manning. He's retiring after 45 years. Happy trails to him. Nick Saban, though, gets a three-year extension to the deal he already has. So he will be signed through 2029 with $8.425 per year. And remember a couple weeks ago when we announced offensive tackle Jawan James of the Broncos was cut after he tore his ACL. Well, the Ravens signed him to a two-year deal and gave him a base salary so he can, he can rehab this year and be back for them. 
And Gus Edwards resigned a two-year, $10 million deal, also played for the Ravens, as the Ravens pay $9 million for James. And Tony Jefferson, the safety, who hasn't played a couple years, has signed a deal with the San Francisco 49ers. David Kaplan has been announced that he's going into the Chicagoland Sports Hall of Fame for a guy who's met him and idolized him and be like one of the people that I look up into the industry. It's definitely time. He's been doing Chicago radio and TV for years. Speaking of Chicago people, Tom Thibodeau won Coach of the Year for what he did with the Knicks, getting him to the playoffs for the first time in years, a high seed. I frankly would have given it to Monty Williams because the Suns were bad. It was the joke was they're a couple of years away from being a couple of years away. I don't want to really give Coach Snyder the Coach of the Year because just getting the best record like the Bucks have done doesn't mean you actually prove anything. But Tibbs would have been my second choice, not my first choice. Now, a big trade in football was Julio Jones was traded to the Tennessee Titans for picks in this year's draft, the next year's draft. And I'm going to say this, though. He's going to the Titans. The Titans have A.J. Brown. They also have Johnny Smith, the tight end. But they have Derrick Henry. This dude is just big and fast. And he runs over people. Ryan Tannehill has been better since he went to Tennessee after being in Miami. But I'm looking at this like, if Julio Jones going to get the ball enough if A.J. Brown and Johnny Smith are, you know, the playmaking receivers out there to get the ball and you run the ball all the time with with the legs of of Derrick Henry. So the question will be, will Vabril, Mike Vabril, will he be able to make enough of an offensive game that could allow for the likes of Julio Jones to get the ball enough? Because that may be the issue, but Atlanta at least was able to get something for him. It's not like they got nothing for him. I'm just still trying to figure out exactly, like, why Tennessee got him? Grind listen, Bob Melvin in baseball. He's now has the most wins in A's history with about 800 wins. And the Jason Benetti of the White Sox has announced he's going to call the Olympic baseball games as they've qualified for the Olympics. Todd Frazier is one of the guys. Edwin Jackson. So you get two guys who played in Chicago. There's a few other guys like that are that used to be big time names like Matt Kemp. There's some of these guys, including you know Dave Robertson, who's, who pitched for the White Sox, who's trying out for team. Is that because you're, if you're not in a major league roster, you can do it. So if you're even on a triple-A deal, you can still do it. And some of these guys are able to do it. Some guys have not been able to play for the Olympics because they were called up and added to the roster. Swanson, Dancy Swanson has 500 career hits. Congratulations to him. The Mets finally decided to retire Jared Kuzman's number, and it's going to happen this August. Outside of Tom Seaver, the managers, that you know, the all-time managers, Katie Stengel and whatnot, and Mike Piazza, I'm saying to myself, where's Jared Kuzman's number being retired? Like... Like, why are they not retired Jerry Kuzman's number? That's where it's like, okay. And maybe Keith Hernandez, maybe uh, Daryl Strawberry, Doc Gooden. There's a few guys. John Franco, Billy Bell. There's a few, like, great players or Hall of Fame caliber players that they probably could have retired their numbers. Bob Brenly's going to miss some games for the Dimebacks after he made some racial comments about Marcus Stroman. I guess he needs time away to figure out what he's doing because you can't be doing that nowadays, Brenly who I think is one of the most overrated baseball managers ever and color commentators, but that's just me. The Cubs fans love him. Lance Lynn went 5-0 this past month, joining Steve Stone, Joe Hayes, and John White and Sox history. Congratulations to him. Ben Zobers announced he's auctioned up his World Series ring as he's in a heated custody battle with his wife and a divorce, so he has to give up you know, something of his. And Tony La Russa now has the second most wins of all time as he passed up Connie Mack. So, congratulations to him. I knew it was going to happen. Oh, excuse me, John McGraw, not T- Connie Mack. T- John McGraw. I knew it was going to happen as soon as he signed with the White Sox and he was going to be the manager because I knew that at some point 
it's actually going to win enough games this year and next year that he's going to be available to do that. The Red Sox this weekend just honored Dustin Majoy, my favorite player of the last decade, who retired early due to knee injuries and you know leg leg lower leg injuries from Machado taking him out. He's definitely a number the Red Sox should retire eventually. Molina, and speaking of legends for each team, Yadier Molina and Rain right now are the fourth most career starts between battery mates of 284. Congratulations to them. Chris Davinsky, fortunately, was trying to reveal his value with the Diamondbacks this year. And now he's got a Tommy John surgery. He's going to be out for the year. Sad for him. Uh, Jesse Winker is the first Reds player ever to have three homers in a game twice this year. That's pretty interesting. Dwayne Kuyper, it's some sad news, is going to miss some broadcasts this year due to uh, chemotherapy. Hopefully he feel, gets better. ESPN, Fox, and TBS announced that they're going to start sending broadcasters out to the games because they haven't been doing it from the studios. And sometimes, you saw last year, they're trying to figure it out. You're like, wait, they're not there because they they're not seeing it what, how they usually do. They're like us. They're watching it on the screen. Local teams haven't really been sending guys out for the most part for TV. And the Indians have announced that they have a, excuse me, the Cleveland Indians. For the name of their team, they have over 1,100 options for what the name could potentially be. I would say Spiders because they had another team in there. Something that has to do with the city would be cool. But, yeah, they're the Cleveland Spiders. I don't want a huge mascot that the Spider or the jerseys to have all these spiders all over them because, you know, I'm not a fan of Spiders and not many people are. But that's cool if they want to go ahead and change their name because they feel like it is insensitive to Native Americans. That's fine by me. I, I'm all for change if it's the good type of change, like if it's progress and move forward in life. And unfortunately, I forgot to mention also Tim Tolman, uh, Major League Baseball outfielder from 1981-87 with the Astros and Tigers, who was also a bench coach. He retired from coaching because he was doing a Parkinson's disease. He passed away due to that the other day. Rest in peace to Tim Tolman. Now then, we're getting into the television world. So... Christiana Ricci joined Terminator 4. That's cool. Chrissy Teigen's being replaced in this Never Ever Ever Voice role. And I'm going to say that she's a model. She's not an actress. So if they want to replace her, go right ahead. Drake Bell's been arrested on child endangerment because they're not sure. Either he did or he didn't. And I was about to go see him in concert because I liked the Drake and Josh handful of movies. And I love his music career. But not every single actor or celebrity or musician or athlete, you have to like their personal life and what they do. And they do something wrong. They go to jail, they, they pay a fine, they do something, they, you know, they got to pay the price. But if he did do that, then I, I hope he gets whatever punishment. But if he didn't, then I can just say, like, okay, what's going on here? It's announced Issa Rae is going to be voicing Spider-Woman and the Spider-Man to the Spideyverse number two. That's really cool because Spider-Woman is a character I like growing up in the cartoons and I had her action figure. Mission Impossible's latest movie has been delayed because of the positive COVID test. That's not great. And for all the people liking that Josh Duhamel and Matt Lanter superhero show that takes place over periods of time on Netflix, Jupiter Legacy has been canceled. It looked really cool. I thought, hey, if this show's out for a couple of years, I'm going to get into it. Now, Antonia Thomas, Antonia Thomas is leaving The Good Doctor. And I have not watched the last episode of The Good Doctor, but Antonia Thomas, Claire, like the whole show started where she had a British black boyfriend. He does something where he gets in trouble and he gets kicked out. They bring in Morgan into the show. And then, I didn't like last year where they killed off Dr. Melendez, one of the people teaching them. And she stayed, but she's not a, a surgeon anymore. She's just like diagnosing people and stuff. But they have to have her in the episode to make it like even because there's four people. And they always said at the beginning, there's only like two that will make it through to the end. And I thought it was going to be Claire. And I thought it was going to be Sean because I felt like Dr. Park, 
dealing with his family back in Arizona, him being a cop and all these other things that happened to him that maybe he's not the one that makes it through. And then at the same time, they introduced four new people. They introduced the guy who lived out of a van who's poly with long hair and wore like shorts and flip-flops. He kind of changes attitude in his outfit a bit, but he decided he didn't want to follow these rules and he wanted to go off and like help third world countries. That's nice. And then the other character... Harper Hill, who, you know, used to be the president of the hospital, and then he now is doing Melendez's role, where he's, you know, as Dr. Marcus, as Dr. Andrews, he's, like, teaching them as well, because Dr. Lynn became, took over for what he used to be, the head of chief of surgery, too, but she's, st- but that's why I was questioning when Melendez's gone, is she teaching them, or is she the boss? Like, it's, the way the show started was, you had a boss, and then you had two people teaching, Melendez and Lynn. When Melendez's gone, I thought, if she's going to be in charge and Mark and Andrews is going to do that, what's going to happen there? But I did not expect Claire's character to be killed or written off because we have to go through the whole character development of her bipolar mother and then then having her mother die and her having to grieve through it and not really grieve through it because she was that happy-go-lucky person and she you know puts on a, a cheery face, things like that. And I was like, okay. They had to go through major character development with her mother coming back into her life, her mother ruining her life a bit. All of that, I thought, okay, this character's here for the long haul, this actress is here for the long haul, and then her father comes back because he's dying of some sort of cancer and trying to make up for it, leaving her out, leaving her when she's young. And I'm like, okay, cool. They got both parents' character development. She had her relationships with the guy in season one, Dr. Melendez, her buddy relationship with Dr. Lynn, how she and Sean are actually friends, and she like looks out for Sean when people are mean. I didn't ever thought it would be Dr. Park and Sean that would make it through to the thing but in the show Dr. Andrews has a daughter a niece excuse me and she realized it's not her thing and she never really wanted to be a doctor so she left so then it was between this other woman and uh and it was also between this this short gay man who left his orthodox Jewish family because he was gay and his family was super religious and I understand that like the people are not super understanding of stuff, so that's where I'm just saying to myself, huh, that, that's where, so he's one of there, and he's, and he and the other woman have been added as full-time cast members, so I said to myself, that is where I think those two characters, as I said, out of the four, two are staying as trainees under the other residents and stuff, and that is where it's like, okay, cool, I can deal with the, the woman who's trying to, you know, make money, like, she's trying to make money on that side hustle, and, um, and the other one is you're starting to grow on him with his opinions on different things. And yeah, Dr. Wolf and Dr. Jackson, yeah, not bad additions to the show. I just don't like the fact that Claire is leaving. But I'll see the episode and I'll see what happens. Because I said, I want to watch Black Lightning finale, Prodigal Son, and Seal Team. Because these are shows that have been canceled or moving away and that sort of thing. And i got to catch up on Breeders, Last Man Standing, and Manifest and get back to you on those but as it was this week, as I watched the 911 show, and they teased in the episode that, spoiler alert, Eddie was shot, and he may not come back. And I was like, great. You went through introducing his wife who has issues, and her controlling parents, and him taking Christopher, and his Christopher's problems, and then Connie Britton, who was in the show and dating Buck in season one, the nurse who was watching Connie Britton's mom, was helping out with Christopher, and then... Then you bring the mother back, then she dies, and then he goes into this fighting ring, and Ronda Rousey's one of the firefighters, and you get through that character development, and he moves on, he starts dating somebody, and you're like, well, 
let's kill him off. No, that'd be really stupid. So they kind of teased you there. And then, of course, Peter Krause's character, Bobby, you know, the captain, you know, he gets, you know, a shot. And you're like, oh, no, are they going to kill him too? And, of course, they do all of this just to for, for suspense. Same thing with 9-1 Lone Star. You think certain characters may be killed, but they're not. Like... Like certain certain episodes where you see people get injured, like uh, Judd and his wife Grace, you think they're not, she's not gonna pull through, but then they decide to because of COVID's apparently in filming schedule, they introduced, you know, the character Tommy Vega, who supposedly was the paramedic, the head paramedic for a long time, so she's got a relationship with, she's got a relationship with Judd and Grace because him and Judd, they work together, and they're friends, their family, godparents, all the situation. They introduce her character, the children that has COVID, the husband's restaurant shut down, and he stays with the kids, and she goes out to work to replace Liv Tyler. But instead of, like, saying the husband's out of town looking for financial contributions to a restaurant or maybe open up a restaurant somewhere else or them getting a divorce, they just said, you know what? We're going to kill the person, and when we kill the person, we're going to have to have her deal through all this trauma and what the kids are going to do. And she's thinking about leaving and not being a paramedic and staying with her children, Gina Torres' character. And I'm like, don't rotate through two lead paramedics. That'd be pretty stupid. Especially when you made TJ a paramedic along with the other person because they did kill somebody this year. The male paramedic, Tim, he died. But as I said, you kill somebody off who isn't in every episode and have a lot of speaking lines. And then you purposely do that to put TJ with the paramedics and not with the cops. Now, the thing I didn't like about the way the season ended, because season, season ended for 9-1, great, that... Chimney's, you know, uh, biological brother joined the fire department. That's cool. To go in, but in this one, instead of, you know, you know, Owen Strand, who, you know, Captain Strand, you know, who's played by, you know, Rob Lowe's character, he was offered the head of the whole entire fire department. But of course, he kind of turned it down because he he's always a guy who wants to be in the action. And he said that even with the other guy, and with the Billy guy who used to work in that department until like he had to leave for cancer. Also, all the other stuff. And you're saying to yourself, the two of them are like, yeah, we're, we're players. We're not managed up by high above management, whatever. And it seemed like he wasn't interested. And Rob Lowe was thinking, you know, maybe I'll take the job, open up the 126, take all the red tape, and everybody will be happy. And then I never really left because I wasn't really, I'd already taken this job. He turns it down. And, of course, the season ends where, sorry, but we're closing it due to financial cutbacks. And it's like, what? The whole point of the show is to have the two firefighters that Rob Lowe recruited from outside sources in New York, I think either, no, it was Chicago and Miami, and to then his own son, then it was that Judd was, wasn't there when it happened, so he, or he was there, he didn't want to survive, that's the whole point is they're one firehouse together, and you can't really like say, yeah, let's get it, so I'm wondering how that season's going to go there. Now, all rise, it was the last episode of the season, and the way the series, they renewed their vows, you know, Callan and his girlfriend are together, that's good. Sarah wasn't at the wet, the renewal vows, but she's doing what she wants to do. And Lopez, you know, broke up with the suave, you know, dude want to take her to Miami. But she's like, I got to figure myself out, you know. And, you know, in the show, throughout the season, you know, the former, you know, bailiff, Watkins, he's going back and forth with, is he going to be staying with the prosecutors, like district attorney, or just the district attorney office, or is he going... Do you know, work with Rick Fox is restorative justice, or is he going to actually do something? So he decides to take the void that is left by, that is, 
left by Lopez because she's leaving. So I was like, okay, so if the show ended, if the show came back, you're like, okay, uh, Robin, the FBI husband of Lola, staying and watch the kids. So that'll be interesting. Callum's going to get married. We'll see how that goes to Amy. Uh, I, it'd be cool to see how it goes with Watt, Luke, you know, you know, Watson being in the, uh, yeah, for him to be, as I said, for him to be in the defense, you know, covering people, you know, like the not, the thing that Lopez was doing would be cool. And I do like that Samantha had a gal friend, you know, in the show, but it's like, if they're going to be friends and roommates don't have the whole, they're into each other and they're bisexual. They're just like, that was a waste. The only thing I didn't really like at the end of the season, but pretty much it's a good way to end the show. Now then, this is us. The whole thing was building up to Kevin's wedding where he said, I want to have kids. I want to get married by the time he's 40. And he was doing all that. He did it out of order, but he was doing it. And you're saying to yourself, okay, cool. That is nice and dandy. He's going to do that. But then, of course, they, they were teasing it all season with both of his exes talking to him during the season and all this other stuff. And him, you know, trying to do the right thing, but not really and stuff and that. Of course... No, spoiler alert, the wedding doesn't actually happen. She goes, you realize that I deserve more love because she always kept getting the smallest amount of love from all of her exes, her father, because her mother left, and all this stuff. And she goes, Kevin, you you made me realize that I deserve all the love. I deserve someone who loves me full-heartedly, not just, just somewhat love me. So that is where she's like, thanks, Kevin, but goes, yeah, I... I need I need I need somebody who loves me fully, not you know just the idea of the family. Love me myself. So Madison says I don't want to get we're not gonna get married. That stinks. Then they like tease into the future where there's another wedding and you're like wait is Kevin getting married again? I don't know is he forever never gonna get married? But he has kids at least, and it teases a wedding and you see Madison and you see Beth and you're like huh? Because he was practicing a speech. You thought you know. Stuff for his wedding. No, it's for somebody else's wedding. And you see, obviously, Miguel, and you see Uncle Nicky, and you see, you know, Randall. But then all of a sudden, you don't see Toby. And you're like, what, whose wedding is this? Is it one of the kids? I don't know. And you see Katie in a wedding dress, and you're like, oh, no. One of the best characters in the show, Toby, is not there. And she's getting married. She goes, I hope this is the last time. So that's like a bombshell they dropped you on there, along with 911 Lone Star. And then... The bombshell that SWAT left you with was, at the beginning of the show, Buck shot an unarmed black kid and by thinking he was the wrong person. So due to politics, they told him to go into early retirement and to appease, you know, the mob. Instead of giving Deacon the character who's been there longer, they get, you know, they decide to give it to Hondo, you know, saved by Shamar Moore. And he becomes the leader, you know, he's younger, supposedly, and he's been, hasn't been doing it as long as, you know, Deacon and... And you would think that, you know, Luca would also be somebody who's done it for a very long time. But, of course, they said, no, nah, we're, we're going to give it to him. And the whole show is him leading it in a different perspective with an African-American guy leading the team. The team is an Asian man and a Hispanic woman who's bisexual. It's all different people on the show. And, unfortunately, because, you know, they found some racist cops there with, the, you know, the white nationalists and stuff you were paying attention Deacon recorded them, and they weren't doing anything, and they were like, we don't want to deal with this. We just want to, you know, we want to get them off SWAT or whatever, but, you know, they can go back to being cops, and that looked horrible. So, you know, Hondo didn't like that, so he leaked stuff to the press, and instead of, you know, the union and the police department board 
letting him have his day in court, per se, and talking to a board and having a somebody defend him and somebody prosecute him, they won't even give him the chance. They're letting, they're just saying, nope, you're not going to have a chance to speak for yourself. He put us into a corner while well, we're putting you into a corner, and he has a choice that he's going to have to resign as leader and do something else. I don't know the details if he still can be on SWAT, if he's go back to being a patrol cop or whatever type of cop or detective maybe, whatever the case is. He can't be the leader anymore, and that's like a bombshell that he's got to decide if he wants to reti- he wants to quit the police completely or do this because you know Chris and Luca are going back, you know, to this tea light thing overseas. Deke wants some vacation and street and socially stupid giving partial kidney donor to his mother, so he's out. And uh, and Tan is getting going on his honeymoon, so it's just like that's a way to end it where everybody's gone and he can make a decision, and I'm. And I do like that he and Michael Beach got to a good understanding. But I, it would be cool to see when the season comes back, him listening to Deacon and Deacon being in charge and that dynamic of now Deacon's in charge of the team. How can Hondo handle not being the leader, even though SWAT has been on for like four or five years? And, you know, it's not like it's been on four or five years in their life. It's just four to five seasons and how the dynamic will be. That will be very cool. Now, the FBI ended pretty well. They wrapped things up with David Zaya's character putting the bomb on one of the employees. They wrapped it up. It's FBI Most Wanted where, you know, Michael Landon's daughter has been a love interest of the main guy, you know, LaCroix. And he and, and it's a cool relationship. And she's afraid because he's going to come after her like he did before her ex. And Jess, has, Jess is like, okay, you can stay with us because his father overbeared and said you can stay. And her worst fears was that he would come finding her at Jess's place and have a gun. And it happened to be that Jess and Crosby were there, and they had to go after her. But all your gunshots, you're like, did Sarah, you know, played by Jennifer Landon, kill her ex? Did the ex shoot her or LaCroix's daughter? Because if they call the little daughter, that thing can change him forever. And he would go off the deep end. So I don't think that should be. It should be. That either she was shot and she dies or he dies because they're they're not that important characters to the show. So that's how they're like, yeah, 911, FBI most wanted and SWAT give you these, and this is us, give you these huge bombshells to end their seasons. And of course, the FBI shows didn't get 22 and the, even the 911s didn't get 18 or 20 because of COVID. And this is us, we knew it was having less. SWAT didn't get the full amount that they were supposed to have. But that's where it's like, okay, cool. The rest of the shows, I'm going to see how they end it because some of them, that were canceled. Who cares how they ended? If they resolved it, whoop de doo Ones that were coming back, not all of them are great. Now, FX announced that American Horror Story is coming July 15. The show called Reservoir Dogs at FX Hulu was a half-hour comedy of indigenous teenagers. That's coming. American Horror Story Double Features coming August 25th. And Archer, which has been a fall show, a winter show, a spring show, and a summer show, and has had, God knows, 10 to 15, 13 episodes. AV8 is coming August 25th. And instead of being a fall sh- uh, a spring show the first couple of years, what we do in the shadows is going to be in, on September 2nd. September 7th is going to be the impeachment of American Crime Story. September 33 will be the show Last Man. And a BJ Novak anthology series coming September 16th. There's been no word on it. It's always sunny Philadelphia or better things. But at least Archer, what we do in the shadows and the American Horror Stories, they gave us an announcement. Thank you for listening to another edition of On the Radar, episode 85. As always, on the Radar is the name of the podcast, Google, Apple, or Spotify. The YouTube is On the Radar. Radar4428 is my Twitter handle or my blogger. OnTheRadarMedia.com is my website. And On the Radar Entertainment Blog is my Facebook page. And as always, we talk about local and national sports. 
This is episode 85 for all those who passed away, all those who are battling COVID or some sickness or in the hospital. Hope you guys all feel better. Now, all those people who retired, happy trail. I'm Radar. See you guys next time.